Hello. Hello, friends. Are you guys excited to be here tonight? Ah, oh, slow clap. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, well, as Jordan said, my name is Katie Sombrio. Um, I am on staff with the Chi Alpha here at WVU. Uh, we've lived here for four years. I'm from Texas. Um, actually, all of our staff is from Texas, so we just transplanted a little piece of Texas up here for you guys. You're welcome. Um, I am married to Charles Sombrio. Um, he's pretty, pretty great. He just reminded me today, actually, two years ago today, he asked me to marry him. I forgot. <laughs> But he remembered. So where are you? Oh, yeah, you're the best. Anyways, it's been, <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, it has been just a, an incredible journey. Um, we are so honored and privileged to serve you guys here at WVU. We love you a lot. Also, almost forgot, um, Jordan wanted me to know, wanted you guys to know that um, he's not trying something new with, like, the necklace. That was a, uh, that was a, uh, from Zoe. So uh, <laughs> I kind of didn't want to say anything. I really wanted people to think that you were, you were like really trying to go for that. But anyways, I know. Keep wearing it. Anyways, super excited to be with you guys tonight. Um, question, who here has been whitewater rafting? Anybody? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a lot of people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Love it. Okay. I've only been one time one time. Um, this was a few years ago, actually, so it was Charles' birthday season, so um, as a staff, um, <laughs> yeah, really, um, as a staff, we decided it'd be really cool, um, we'd never been whitewater rafting, we wanted to take him whitewater rafting, so we set everything up, we had a friend that was a river guide, um, so he got us, like, discounted, you know, rates and stuff, and we went up to Ohio Pile to whitewater raft up there. We just went on the, like, the most basic route, you know, I don't even know what the terms are, but, you know, the, um, it was not really the hardest, you know, route that you could take. But anyway, so we're excited, you know, we're like, get ready, and we like, get ourselves all like put together, we get our gear, and I'm like, you know, I have been on the water before, I've like kayaked, you know, like surely this is like no big deal. Anyway, so we like get on the water, and we're going down the river, and I'm like, all right, this is sweet, we're in two different boats, because we don't all fit in one boat, and so we have one guide, and he's kind of like shouting directions, you know, and so we're, we're going down the river, it's like great, and then it, you know, starts getting a little bit choppier, and I'm like, okay, this is cool, um, and then he's like, okay, guys, there's this really big rock coming up, and it's like, it's, it's pretty crazy, like, you got to do like this and that and this, and uh, make sure, like, people fall out here all the time, so like, just be really careful, so I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, and so we're going down, and um, the first boat goes through this, like, this pass, or whatever it's called, um, and, like, three people fall out of the boat, the paddles go everywhere, our guide is, like, just, like, pulling people out of the water like Superman, and so the second boat comes, and he's finally gotten everybody back in, the second boat comes down, and, like, the same thing happens, I mean, there's, like, people everywhere, I'm sorry to throw you under the bus again, but I have never seen Jordan's face, like, so terrified. Like, it was, like, the funniest. It's funny now. Then it was, like, super scary. But we're, like, all, like, falling out of the boat. And our guide is, like, like leaping and bounding over rocks and stuff to, like, snatch people out of the water. And he's, like, do this, do this. He's awesome. And at one point, he just yells, will you guys stop falling out of the boat? We made it out alive. Obviously, we are here today. Praise Jesus. Um, but that was terrifying. Who here, when it comes to dating and relationships, feel like you just can't stay inside the boat? 
Be honest. <laughs> this was like totally me. I know you guys aren't being honest. You guys. Anyway, this was me. Okay, this was me. In all my experiences dating, I mean, I just felt like I could never get a grasp on it. You know what I mean? Like, why is this so flipping complicated and difficult, right? Are y'all with me? I know you didn't raise your hands, but you're a bunch of liars. Okay. How in the world am I supposed to navigate this successfully without falling out of the boat or other people falling out of the boat or things just going like haywire all the time, right? And you just have to glance at the news or social media or wherever to see that this is like everybody else in the world is in the same predicament, right? Like left and right people are drowning when it comes to this, whether it's dating or like just other relationships, friendships. Like we see it on the news and on social media all the time. Nobody knows how to stay inside the boat. Well, starting tonight and for the next three weeks, we are going to talk about just that. From dating to sex and marriage and friendship, we are going to cover as much as we can these next few weeks. So you guys are in for a treat. You excited? Yes. Who doesn't want to talk about relationships? And the reason is because relationships are so incredibly integral to our lives and our world. And the enemy has really, really just made this a mess and like devastated something that was meant to be really beautiful in the world and the culture that we live in. We need to know how to navigate these things with wisdom and holiness and truth. So that's what we're going to try to do. So tonight, the fun begins. We're going to talk about dating. I know you guys are stoked. This is a hot topic, right? Like, no matter what conversation you have, it, like, always ends up there, you know? The girl's like, did I show you what he texted me today? You know? It always ends up there. And, you know, romantic relationships have been around since Adam and Eve. This is not something new. They've just changed pretty drastically since then. Did you know that prior to the 20th century, dating as we know it didn't even exist? Yeah, there was only courtship. Have you guys heard of this? Courtship? Yeah. It involved a man and a woman spending intentional time together to evaluate the other as a prospective husband or wife, right? And usually they were members of, like, the same community, um, and all of the, like, different aspects of courtship would happen in the woman's home under the very watchful eye of her family, which, can you imagine that? That would be fun. The first reference to dating actually occurred in a newspaper column in 1896, like pretty long ago, in reference to like a man filling in a woman's dates, like dates on her calendar. That's where it came from. But really, all these like changes to get to where we are now came about with just like greater independence and autonomy. We had things like, you know, cars, people started driving cars. We had like movies, you know, going to the movies and all these like different aspects that, um, that gave young people an opportunity to get out of the house and like be alone, like outside of the home, right? And now... Well, basically, so through all of that, we are moving from this, like, really formal to, to really informal. And today, it's, like, so informal that people don't even know what's a date and what isn't. Anybody been there? Okay. Yeah, now I want to be more honest. Okay, there we go. <laughs> we are going to work on this. You guys are going to be really honest by the end, I'm believing. Um, <clears throat> usually somebody has to ask, like, so are we dating? <laughs> like, are we exclusive? Are we official? You know, whatever the words are. I don't know. I'm kind of old, so you guys could tell me. But um, dating today really is like whitewater rafting, right? Like, this crazy ride. You never know when you might fall out of the boat or drown. 
with narrow escapes and like these harrowing turns, right? And, and there's no like clear end in sight either. It's super fun one minute and then the next minute you are like terrified, right? The whole point of it is the experience. It's all about the ride. Whitewater rafting is not about a destination. I was thinking about this. It's only about the ride, right? But God did not design relationships to be like that. Dating is meant to be a journey with a destination, okay? Dating is meant to be a journey with a destination. So we're going to shift our thinking. We've been talking about whitewater rafting and rivers and all that. We are going to shift, and we're going to instead think about a mountain, okay? Think about hiking up a mountain, but not just any mountain, a mountain with a view at the top, okay? Y'all tracking with me? All right. So this past summer, um, Charles and I, we took a three-day trip to Harper's Ferry, um, to celebrate our one-year anniversary, it was amazing. We, like, tubed down the river because we learned our lesson with whitewater rafting. Um, and uh, we just had an amazing time, great, great food, just explored. It was awesome. One thing we did was we hiked up Maryland Heights. Has anybody ever hiked that trail? Okay, I thought maybe a couple. I thought two people, so I was right. That's awesome. Um, so we hiked up Maryland Heights. Um, it's a really fun trail just outside of Harper's Ferry. Um, I think I have a picture of it. Um, yeah, so the trail kind of starts like over there on the left, you like walk around, and you just hike like this really roundabout way all the way up this mountain and around, and then it just like plops you out right there where those rocks are, plops you out on this cliff overlooking Harper's Ferry. You can see like the Potomac and the Shenandoah Rivers intersect there at Har- Harper's Ferry. You can see three states from up there, it's really cool. So if you ever go down there, you should hike up to Maryland Heights, it's really fun. But, as with any hike, right, we had to get ourselves ready first. You don't just, like, typically go and just start climbing a mountain without, like, figuring some stuff out first, like, you know, where is it? Like, where does the trail start? You know, what can I expect? Things like that, right? So we had to do some research before we hiked up this mountain. We did our research. We had to make sure we had the right information to start our trip. Dating is the same way. Before we kind of embark on this crazy journey, we we need to make sure we have the right information. We need the big picture. We need direction. We need to know a few things in order to walk this out wisely and successfully. But where do we look? Where in the world do we look for that? Where do we look for wisdom for this, right? Oh, nice. Good guess. Well, as you may have noticed, if you have been in Chi Alpha for any period of time, we really like the Bible. (laughs) And we believe in the Bible, and we believe in the help of God's Holy Spirit to help us with this. So, um, that's what we're going to do tonight. Now, if you do a keyword search on dating and the Bible, the closest thing you're probably going to find is like date, like the fruit, which is really not helpful when it comes to this. And that's because this is one of a number of topics like alcohol and drugs and things like that that isn't explicitly talked about in the Bible, okay? But that doesn't mean it can't help us. The Bible isn't a roadmap. It's more like a compass, okay? It doesn't give us, like, step by step by step, but it gives us the right direction. And this is something um, I just, you know, wanted to say when it comes to topics like this. um, We need to learn how to build our convictions off of the basic truths of the Bible. The Bible doesn't necessarily explicitly talk about a lot of the things that we see in our culture today, but that doesn't mean it's not true, and that doesn't mean it can't help us. So we need to see the Bible as more like a compass, not so much like a roadmap. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to do tonight is, is kind of um, look at some different places in the Bible that give us, um, that help us, you know, give us some wisdom um, when we're approaching this. 
And actually, relationships shows up in the very first chapter of the Bible. So it's a pretty big deal. So Genesis 1, 27 through 28 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, did you guys know that God is the author of sex and relationships? Like he wasn't surprised when Adam and Eve, like, well, started being fruitful and multiplying. You know what I mean? He wasn't surprised because he made them that way, and he said it was good. The first thing that we need to know is this. We can trust God in the area of sexuality and relationships. Before anything else, we must know and believe this. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. The Bible says that our understanding is limited, right? But God knows everything. So don't think that you know more about sex and relationships than God does, okay? Because he designed it. He made it. He knows the most about it. So what did God design? God designed marriage. This is the second thing we need to know before we get on this this hike, right? We're going to hit on this in a couple weeks. But I just want to give you the very basics today because, honestly, an understanding of marriage is crucial to a proper understanding of dating. Genesis um, 2.24, picking up a little bit after where we just read, says that when a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, they become one flesh. So this idea of one flesh is what God intended for a man and a woman. The idea of like being glued together, that's literally what that means. Like inseparable, like two pieces of paper, you glue those together. Like you're not going to like separate those without some serious consequence, right? They don't come cleanly apart again. That's what marriage is, and that's what God created for a man and a woman. The nature of sex and marriage is oneness in person, not just in body. We'll talk more about sex, too, if you want to keep coming around the next few weeks. Um, But the point is that sex is first mentioned in the Bible within its proper context of marriage. You cannot have one without the other. So what does this have to do with dating? According to what we see in the Bible, any special relationship between a man and a woman that is outside of, like, family and friendship is heading for marriage and marriage only. So because dating, as we know it, is a relationship that's outside of family and friendship, right, it can only have one goal, and that goal is marriage, okay? That's what God designed. So dating without the express purpose of marriage is, I mean, as hard as this is to hear, it's unbiblical, and it's a deviance from what God designed, okay? We need to understand this before we move forward because this is really huge. We have to ask ourselves, will Will I trust God and trust his design? Okay, what else do we need to know before we move on? The last thing is this. We need to understand that while beautiful and God-designed, sex and marriage will never fully satisfy. Will never fully satisfy. Y'all, if you walk away with nothing else from tonight, I hope you walk away understanding this. 
sex, dating, marriage, none of these things can ever fulfill your need for God himself. There's this beautiful story in the Bible in John 4. We're not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you. You can read it yourself after this. It's a great story. Jesus and his disciples are um, traveling, and they go through Samaria, which bordered Israel. And Jesus is sitting at this well, and the disciples go into town to buy food for lunch. It's like middle of the day. And this woman comes up to draw water from the well. She's alone, which is really weird culturally because usually the women would go early in the morning and they would go together. So something is off here already. And then Jesus starts talking to her, which is definitely not culturally appropriate. And long story short, Jesus just like reads this girl's mail, right? He says, hey, call, call your husband to come. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And she's like, Jesus is like, yeah, that's because you've had five and the man you're with now is not your husband. And she's like, oh my gosh. This guy just, like, read my life story. And Jesus goes on to talk to her. Jesus recognized in this woman that no number of relationships could satisfy the thirst that she had. And so Jesus offers her living water. He says, look, you need more than that. You know, you're just going to keep going from relationship to relationship. You need the living water that only I can give you. And this was, you know, this is so true for me, too. Um, I feel like it, it has taken me years to learn, and even now, it's still really hard. Um, I, you know, with every guy I dated, including Charles, the, the probably biggest struggle for me has been not making my boyfriend or whatever, my, my, like, whole world and whole identity. I think as women, that's especially hard for us. Um, but... I really struggled with that, and it, it has taken me, like, time and time again, like, a consistent, you know, just Jesus, like, tapping me, you know, on the shoulder, like, Katie, like, remember, like, Charles can't, he can't be that for you, you know, he can't fulfill that deepest longing that you have in your heart, only I can, and we need to know this, we need to know that our deepest thirst is by very nature spiritual, okay, there's nothing that goes deeper than that. You may have a thirst for relationship or whatever, but your deepest, deepest thirst at the root of everything else is your thirst for God. And only Jesus can quench that thirst. And I want us to know that and understand that before I move on, because this is huge, and this is not what the world says. It says that relationships, you finding your person is like, that is the end-all, be-all of everything, and that's just not true. That's just not true, okay? All right, so we have the information we need to continue on. All right, we're ready to tackle this hike. What's next? A fork in the road. <sighs> you ever hiking and you, like, don't have a map and you hit a fork in the road and you're like, <laughs> no, where do I go now? It's the biggest question of them all. Who am I supposed to spend the rest of my life with, right? This is, like, the question. Pete Bulette, he's one of our friends and our heroes at UVA Chi Alpha. He's awesome. If you've ever gotten to hear him speak, he's amazing. I got a lot of wisdom tonight from him because he's way wiser than me. Um, and he says this. He says, selection is 90% of the issue. If you can get that right, then everything else just kind of like comes together. You're like, sweet, that just makes me more anxious. Now it's like a really big deal. I picked the right person. Oh, But don't be afraid. We're going to talk this out, Okay. So, did any of you girls, maybe guys, but I'll just ask the girls because I'm, I'm not sure. This seems like a girly thing. But um, make a list of, like, what you wanted in your future husband. <laughs> yes. 
Okay, I was going to be really vulnerable with you guys tonight and show you a picture because I still have my list. But I, like, searched my house up and down, and I can't find it anywhere, which is really sad, number one, but also sad that I couldn't share it with you. Um, but I had a list. I wrote it when I was, like, 15 or 16. It's pretty hilarious. Um, I had uh, non-negotiables and negotiables. And my non-negotiables were, like, obviously, you know, I loves God, and he's, like, funny. He has to be a little bit taller than me. That was a non-negotiable for me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then I had negotiables, like, musical. Um, yeah, Charles, he, he made it. Uh, <laughs> I love you. Um, and, uh, and then I had negotiables, like, um, you know, musical, like, all these random things. I'm pretty sure I had um, nice hands and warm, like, temperature, just like need to be a warm person, which is really funny if you know Charles, because he is like a heater. Let me just tell you. Anyway, I'll just leave that there. But um, as ridiculous as my list was, there is one thing that I did pretty well, and that was separating my list into negotiables and non-negotiables. Many of the issues that people encounter when it comes to choosing the right person come from mixed up negotiables and non-negotiables, Okay. I mean, if a non-negotiable for you is that your significant other, or let's say, you know, your future husband, has a six-pack, you are going to be sorely disappointed and probably filing for a divorce in 10 years when aging starts to set in, right? So that probably should not be a non-negotiable, okay? So when it comes to who we should date, we need to have some negotiables and non-negotiables. We're going to start with the non-negotiables, okay? Number one non-negotiable is spiritual compatibility. Spiritual compatibility, If you are a follower of Jesus, your significant other must be a follower of Jesus. The Bible is pretty clear about this. Paul tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, I know this probably sounds pretty harsh, but it's really not. It's actually very logical, okay? <laughs> Christians are called to value and embrace and love non-Christians. But we're talking about your life partner here. Remember we talked about that oneness? How are you supposed to become one with somebody that, that doesn't believe what you believe? Do you see what I'm saying? If your soul belongs to Jesus and theirs doesn't, that's, that's going to be really, really hard to achieve oneness. There must be spiritual compatibility. That word is so hard to say. Compatibility. There we go. So, like, how do you each define Christianity? Does your girlfriend think that, you know, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, I go to church on Easter and Christmas, you know, and, like, that's, that's pretty much what that is. And you're like, well, actually, I think it might be more than that, you know. Um, I kind of maybe want to be a missionary or, you know, like Christopher talked about discipleship the other day, how big of a deal that is. You really believe in that. How, how are you going to reconcile those things? Does that make sense? A.W. Tozer, um, one of our favorites, he says that what you think about God, in other words, your spirituality, is the most important thing about you. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. It's more important than, you know, you being the life of the party and being funny. It's more important than your ethnicity, your family. It's more important than anything. It's the most important thing about you. Even if you don't see the effects of spiritual incompatibility right now, over time things will begin to erode, I promise you. When you have to decide your views on sex, on parenting, on how you're going to spend your money, right? (laughs) 
Like it's it's gonna it's gonna be tricky later. It may not seem like it right now, and you're in college, and you're like, whatever. But we have to start making decisions like that, and there's there's a clash there. That's, that's gonna be really hard. Your spiritual compatibility is pivotal to the health of your relationship. Our non-negotiable number two is shared values and virtues. Values and virtues. In other words, does this person share the same convictions? Do they value the things that you value most? If God really did call you to move, you know, to China and be a missionary, how would they respond to that? If that's a value of yours. You can think of a number of other values, right, convictions that you might have. Does this person have virtues? Specifically, do you see growth in them? In your weakest moment, how do they respond? Is it with kindness or is it with, like, disgust, right? Are they virtuous? And I'll tell you, virtues get more virtuous and vices get more vicious. really should be vicious. I don't know why it's not. But anyway, vices get more vicious. So think about the person you're attracted to right now or you're dating right now. What are their, the virtues and vices that they have right now, what are those going to look like 20 years from now? Because they're just going to increase exponentially, right? And here's just a little bit of advice from moi. Choose a friend. Choose a friend. I, you know, I feel like for so long I had this idea that dating was something other, like it was some special relationship that was unlike anything else. But the truth is the best marriages start with the best friendships. really is true. Um, in the first couple chapters of Genesis we've been reading from, um, we see that God creates the world, and then he makes the first man, Adam. But in chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, it says that there was still something missing. In, in verse 18, uh, it says that the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God made Eve. He made the first woman as a helper for Adam. And that word for helper is ezer in the Hebrew, okay? And it literally means helper, companion, or friend. Isn't that so cool? It means friend. God didn't just give Adam a lover. That's not only what he needed. He needed a friend. That's what his heart was longing for was a companion and a friend. At the end of the day, it is me and Charles against the world. You know, he's, he's my best friend. He's my confidant. He's my companion. And this honestly isn't very normal when we look at the world. Like you guys probably can think of people, maybe even, I mean, family members and stuff that you've seen marriages where there was like no friendship there. And maybe the marriage was built on, you know, status or wealth or like maybe started as a mutual physical attraction or, you know, a number of things or they felt like, oh, we have to get married, you know, we're getting older or something and you'll do, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, but if it's, if it's, if there's no friendship there, like that is, that's rough, and we've, we've seen marriages and relationships fall apart because of that. Tim Keller has this quote that I love. He says, It is typical for a single person to walk into a room and see a number of people of the opposite sex and immediately begin to screen them, not for companionship, but for attractiveness. We've all done it. We think of a prospective spouse as primarily a lover or a provider. And if he or she can be a friend on top of that, well, isn't that nice? We should be going at it the other way around. Screen first for friendship. Look for someone who understands you better than you do yourself, who makes you a better person just by being around them, and then explore whether that friendship could become a romance and a marriage. We have to start with friendship. So back to our list. Your non-negotiables list should not be that long. If you have to turn the page, it's too long. Remember, you are going to 
be marrying a human one day. Okay, human. They're not perfect, so check yourself there. Okay, what about the negotiables? These are things that you basically, that you think you would like, but in the end don't really matter. Um, they're preferences. They're not deal breakers. Um, examples would be, you know, athletic, musical, things like that. In my case, you know, nice hands and warm. Um, <laughs> don't overlook somebody just because they might not have one of your negotiables. I mean, praise God for Charles. Athletics was a negotiable for him because I am not athletic at all. <laughs> But a non-negotiable for him was character and a number of other things. You can ask him. I don't really know. But um, me. It was me. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but pay attention to what matters, okay? Pay attention to what matters. So we've made it through this fork in the road, okay, on our journey. We've chosen somebody to journey with, with whom we share spiritual compatibility, and values, and whom we see virtues that will grow, with whom we have a friendship, right? So, what's next? Okay, when Charles and I were walking up this trail to Maryland Heights, um, I almost died, kind of. Um, basically, we're walking along, and I'm, like, looking, like, right down at my feet, because it's really rocky, and I'm, like, afraid I'm going to fall. Um, so, I'm looking right down at my feet, and all of a sudden, Charles, like, grabs my arm and pulls me back. He's like, Katie, stop. And I, like, look up, literally just, like, a foot and a half, and there's this giant black snake just making its way like across the trail like no big deal. I mean, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. It was terrifying. From that point on, as you probably would be, I was like on the lookout, right? You're like, oh my gosh, like, where's, like where are the snakes? Okay. Um, I was super cautious because I wanted to make sure I didn't step on another snake or like twist my ankle or like fall off a cliff, right? So you got to be careful when you're hiking. There are a couple things that we need to be careful of when it comes to dating. Okay, we need to be on the lookout for these things. The first one is to be careful with your time. Be careful with your time. Let me ask you this. How much time will you spend together as a dating couple? Is your world a world of two? Do you dominate each other's lives and each other's calendars? Because if so, that is a really dangerous place to be. The reason is because all your emotional support is now in one person. You have no community. And one person cannot carry the weight of your whole world, number one. But also, if it doesn't work out, or things crumble, your feet are knocked out from underneath you, right? We need community. We need to be in community. So... Is your world a world of two, or is it expanding as it should? You should be gaining their friends. You're gaining, you know, they're gaining your friends. That's what it should look like. When do you hang out? We always say nothing good happens after midnight. It is so true. I'm not going to go into this, but let me just tell you right now, you should just just do it. Just live by that. It's really helpful. Um, Charles and I had a curfew of midnight, and it was still really hard, um, and I'm so glad that we did. Um, when do you hang out? Got to be careful with that. Where do you hang out? Is it in your room? On your bed? With the door closed? That is bad news bears. Speaking from experience here. The best way to deal with temptation is to avoid it altogether. Just avoid it. There's a story in Genesis 39 uh, with a young Hebrew slave named Joseph. Some of you heard this story. And he's working for um, an Egyptian man named Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife is um, 
a choice word. And she, um, she is like trying to seduce Joseph because he's young and attractive, right? And one day they're alone in the house and, you know, Joseph is working or whatever. And she's like, hey, come to bed with me. And he like literally flees. The Bible said he fled out of there. He like ran so fast that she had like barely touched his cloak and he like left his cloak behind him. That's how fast he ran out, right? We need to be runners, Pete Bulet says, if you wait until the moment of decision to make a decision, you will make a bad decision. If you wait until the moment of decision to make a decision, you will make a bad decision. I can promise you that. So plan ahead. Don't put yourself in places that will lead somewhere that you don't want to go. And this leads me to the next thing we need to be careful of. Be careful with your body. Be careful with your body. Ephesians 5.3 says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Not even a hint. And we already said the reason why is because God designed this, right? He knows what's best. He really does know what's best. We need to trust him in that. He knew what he was doing. So how far is too far? This is like the, the like most common question I feel like I get. Like, so how far, you know? Honestly, if you have to ask that question, you're probably going too far, or at least thinking about it. <laughs> Listen, I was, I was all about blurring the lines, to be completely honest, in dating. Um, you know, I grew up relatively safe. I wasn't, like, exposed to much. So for me, I had these, like, grand, like, romantic ideas about what being in a relationship, you know, would look like and, and like, all of this stuff. But I had never, like, I had never gone too far. So I didn't know, like, how slippery the slope was. And it is a slippery slope. <laughs> let me tell you, Charles and I had to put out fires, like, so many times. <laughs> It's not even funny. Winky Prattney says this. He's a good friend of ours. He says that getting physically involved is like igniting a built-in bomb. Each time you light the fuse, it will burn. And the next time you light it, you will begin where you left off. And y'all, this is so true. It doesn't just like start over. You keep moving that boundary line. You keep moving it, keep moving it. Eventually, there won't be one there. It only takes a few minutes to do something that you will regret for years and years, okay? Be careful with your body. And here's just a few practical things. We're, we're getting close to the end, so hang with me. Just a few practical things. Modesty. Okay, men are usually excited by a look, and women are excited more by a touch, okay? So ladies, modesty. Watch what you wear and with what motive you wear it. Why do you choose to wear the things that you do? Think about it. Love the men in your life by doing all you can to protect them and guard their hearts and their eyes, okay? The second thing is boundaries, gentlemen and ladies. This is us too. Careful with your hands. A good rule of thumb is to never take off clothes, never put your hands under clothes, okay? And stay vertical, not horizontal. Okay, we'll just leave that there. The third thing is accountability. We need each other. We need community. I said this a little bit ago, but tell people that you trust to walk with you through this. Ask them to check in with you. Man, I wish that I had more people asking (laughs) me things when I was dating. I wish I had. I wouldn't have liked it, but I, I would have needed it. Okay? Ask people you trust to walk with you. The last thing is spiritual oneness. 
just because you are headed potentially towards spiritual oneness, you know, we talked about dating leads to marriage, right, doesn't mean that you need to rush it. As Jordan Goody has so aptly put, don't pray together till you lay together, okay? Uh, Charles and I, you know, we, we didn't pray together, we didn't do Bible studies together, because we knew we, had, we knew we had to guard our hearts. It was hard for us. Don't put your bodies in the awkward position of, like, wanting to catch up to your hearts, okay? Your bodies, your spirits are meant to move in succession towards oneness, okay? If your spirits are moving really far, your bodies are like, whoa, you know? Does that make sense? So don't, don't put yourself in an awkward position. Be careful about getting too intimate too soon. You are not married yet, Okay? So there's a lot more I could say. We could talk for hours about this stuff, I know, even though you guys weren't honest that you all love this topic, okay? We could talk for a long time about this. But I'm going to bring this to a close. Um, the band can go ahead and can come back up. Here's a picture of the top of Maryland Heights. I think I have one. This is beautiful. It doesn't do it justice. It's awesome. We got up there. It was just breathtaking. I mean, I did not expect that. Like, I didn't, I didn't. I mean, we were just in the woods the whole time, and then all of a sudden, you're just, like, out on this, like, cliff with, like, no railing or anything, and you're like, whoa, this is beautiful, and I think I have a picture of me and Charles up there, just to prove to you that we actually did go up there, although, you know, you can take that down, we look really gross, but, um, you know, it would make a lot of sense at this point to assume that marriage, or at least finding your person, is the pinnacle of this journey, right? I mean, we talked about dating leads to marriage, right? But it's not. It's not the pinnacle of this journey. A good friend and a wise counselor of mine, her name is Stepha Chappelle. Several of you know her. She says this, marriage is not a reward. It either is or is not on the path of obedience toward greater intimacy with Jesus. Marriage is not a reward. Finding your person, having a relationship it is not a reward. It's not the end goal. It either is or is not on the path of obedience toward greater intimacy with Jesus. My friends, the goal is not to find someone in this life to complete you. As wonderful as marriage is, and it is so wonderful and so grateful for it, it is simply another stop on the way to something far greater, and that is intimacy with Jesus, looking like Jesus, knowing Jesus being with Jesus. We're not just along for the ride. It's not just about the thrill of it. We have a destination. God made us for relationships, yes, but those relationships were only ever meant to be arrows that point us to him. Relationships in this life, no matter what level, whether you're dating or you're just friends or whatever, they exist for the sole purpose of pushing us into greater intimacy with Jesus, helping each other look more like Jesus. This is our pinnacle. This is the view at the top that we are striving for. And it is glorious. For many of you, um, finding your person has kind of consumed your life. It's all you think about. It's all you want. And tonight, Jesus is wooing you, and he is calling you. He wants your whole heart, not just part. He wants the whole thing. You need to recognize that your thirst is at its root a spiritual thirst that only Jesus can fill. 
You know, when we talk about the altar, you guys have heard that word before. I don't know if we've really explained it super well. When we talk about the altar, we're talking about a place um, that in the Bible was where God's people would come and they would make sacrifices to atone for their sin. So when we talk about the altars here, we're talking about a place to come and put to death the things that keep you from a, a living relationship with Jesus. We're talking about a place to come and be broken and meet with God. Many of you, whether you're single or dating, you need to come to the altar tonight. You need to let your thirst be met in Jesus only. For some of you, maybe you've seen some red flags tonight that popped up in your heart and the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And maybe you know that you need to have a hard and courageous conversation with a significant other Maybe you recognize tonight that, man, we're just, we're not spiritually compatible. I can't, I can't keep going this direction. Or maybe you recognize, man, like, we don't have the same values. Or, man, we have pushed the boundaries. Like, I don't even know if we have a boundary line anymore. I know this seems scary, but what would be even scarier is not having that conversation 10 years down the road. You'll be really grateful that you did. So maybe you need to have a conversation tonight. For others of you, maybe you need healing. I was thinking about this as I was preparing. Many of you have only known broken relationships and heartache. You've made mistakes. You've hurt others. You've been hurt yourself. And God wants to restore within you a right view and a right understanding of dating and relationships and give you hope again and give you healing tonight. And the altar is for you too. as a place to come and meet with God and be healed. And if you don't know Jesus tonight, this all still holds true for you. Your thirst will never be quenched anywhere else. So receive the living water that Jesus is offering you tonight. Be made whole. Be restored to God tonight. So these altars are open. And, you know, you're, you're probably like, this is just a classroom. <laughs> it's hard to, hard to see beyond that. But this is not just a classroom. Tonight it is a sanctuary. And every Monday night, because the Bible says that where two or more are gathered together, the Lord is there. God is there. He's in our midst right now. We've turned this place into a sanctuary. And so these altars, they might not look like altars the way they used to look, you know, in the Bible. But these are our altars, and they are open for you. It's not just carpet and stuff. And so I don't want you to worry about what anybody else thinks of you. I want you to meet with God tonight. I want us to get up out of our chairs and, and talk to Jesus. Come to the altars. Let the Lord minister to you tonight. Jesus, we love you, Lord. God, I, I know that this is like such a fun thing to talk about because we love relationships, but we also like hate them at the same time. It's so hard, especially for those of us that where this is a real struggle for any number of reasons. God, I just pray. Lord, I just pray for um, just your voice to be so clear tonight. God, it, it, it's, I just feel like in the world there's just so much confusion, so much chaos 
like going down this raging river. We don't know when we're going to fall out again. And it's just like, it's so hard. God, would your voice cut through all of that tonight? God, would you speak to hearts tonight? God, I pray for courage. I pray for courage to make the right choices tonight, God, knowing and trusting that your design is best, God, that you know best, that you don't ask us to do things just because you want to give us rules, but you say, (laughs) do this because I love you. This is what's best for you, God. We know that, um, yeah, we need to meet with you tonight, God. We, we, We need your Holy Spirit. So we just invite you. We invite you into this time. Make this place a sanctuary, a safe place. Make this place a safe place. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're already doing and what you're going to do. I pray all of this in your beautiful name. Amen.